Hey, um, over the last uh, six, eight weeks, what have we been talking about mostly? I'm sorry? Pur I will accept purpose. I will accept that. Thank you very much. I just wanted to make sure that people were, um, you know, paying attention and stuff, purpose, discipleship, stuff like that. I want to I teach you, uh, I wanna teach you a, a strong response uh, today. So everybody uh, uh, give, a, give a, the, fist, the fist of testimony, okay? I'm going to go like this. And depending on, on, on how much you feel it, you might really lift it high. Can you do that? All right. Now this is optional, uh, but, but there's a grunt that goes with it. So, you know, you could do, you could do the, the fist of testimony with the grunt of affirmation. All right. <clears throat> All right, that, that was almost there. Let's try it again. Oh, that was better. That was cool. All right, I felt that. Uh, the spirit was released in that moment. Um, now, if you kind of go crazy, you could do, now hold on, you could do the double fist of testimony with the grunt of affirmation. And this is just like over the top. This is just like crazy. Uh, it will probably like sunder the heavens and cause angels to come down. But just, hmm. All right, you kind of sucked at that. But let's try it again. Uh, the, the, double, the double fist of testimony with the grunt of affirmation. One, two, three. Now see if you can find places to use that uh, over, over the next uh, uh, 30 minutes uh, because this is going to be a great sermon. You see, I just set that up for you. I totally set it up and you just, you just whiffed. So try to be a little bit more on the ball with that. Uh, Last week, anybody remember last week's sermon? What did we talk about? Did somebody say faith? Oh, the, the spirit of eh, eh, eh. And uh, how, how was that this week? Who, who conquered eh this week? Who conquered the spirit of eh? Spirit of eh, whatever. Who did that? I'm not going to tell you to share a testimony or anything. What was it over here? Who did? Fantastic. You guys... The Gaveas do that so well. Would you mind, mind standing and giving the... This, this, is, this is family style. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Who needs to receive a fist of uh, testimony uh, this week? Just sort of raise your hand. All right, John does. Go ahead, stand up. Who else? Really? Okay, it's all for you, evidently. So everybody, everybody face John on the count of three. Let's just bless him. One, two, three. You all are, as I have often said, you're quite something. You really are. Uh, you're a big deal. Because on you rests the reasons behind the universe and creation, all the purposes and the plans of God for the creation that we see around us, you are tremendously consequential. See, I, I, I feel like you're still not quite getting it. You are a big deal. <laughs> okay. Uh, you are tremendously consequential. On you rest the reasons behind creation itself. Are you feeling it? I'm not quite sure you're feeling it yet. But uh, last, uh, yesterday, uh, there was a tremendous women's breakfast, I heard. Yeah? 
and, and you guys, there was, there was one uh, double fist of testimony. Uh, and and you, uh, you did, you spent time kind of articulating and refining your purpose really well, right? How, how did that go? I heard, that, I heard that Paula shared her purpose, right? So come on up here, Paula. It's okay. Hustle. Yeah, you got 30 seconds. And if all goes well, you will receive a double fist of testimony with a grunt of affirmation from 300 people. All right, so you did this yesterday at the breakfast, right? Share your purpose. To fight the systemic issues that create injustice. How about, how about a vision that goes with that? Um, currently at my workplace, I work at a local labor union, and um, what I've been doing is um, organizing faith communities more, and also getting um, our members of our union to become leaders in their own churches. Oh, unions and churches, I love it. What tools are you using for this? Um, a lot of discipline, um, a lot of patience, um, and communication, and then organizing. How do you skills. communicate? Communicating, um, just a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings, building relationships that way, um, not relying so much on social media and you know, text messages. Face-to-face -face communication. Kids, you've heard of this. Well done, all right, there you go. Uh, today I'm gonna make a difference in your life. Uh, by uh, helping you to remember, uh, and, and what I mean by that is to always remember what's really going on in your life. That, that's really what I'm gonna try to do today, which involves some, some drilling, uh, which is what we just spent five minutes doing. Uh, when I say that uh, I want you to remember what's really going on in your life, what I mean to say is that I want you to remember what your purpose is in life and to flow uh, in that. And you might be saying, uh, as per our drills, my purpose in life. How could I forget it? We've been talking about it for two months. That's all you have been talking about. Uh, and you would be correct, uh, which is why I gave you the quiz question at the opening. What have we been talking about for the last six or eight weeks? Well, we've been talking about purpose and discipling and purpose and stuff like that. But I think it is useful to remember that remembering is an act of will. The world is such a swirl, there's so, so much tumult and chaos in it, that to remember what's important from hour to hour, you have to really set yourself to do it. And if you're going to remember anything well, you need to uh, apply yourself in, in a full-bodied manner. Uh, Sony and I homeschool uh, our son right now, and this is something that I'm always drilling into him. Is that an important fact? Do you need to remember it? How are you going to remember it? I ask him. Uh, and he will think for a moment, and he, say, and he might say, well, I'm going to say it out loud. I say, great, okay, do that. And then he will recite the fact. What else are you going to do? And he's learning to like, put his body into it. It's like, well, I'm going to remember that when I'm addressing this, um, when I'm looking this way, I need to remember such and such. He's, he's learning how to construct his memories uh, physically. What else are you going to do? I say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here for a second and I'm going to write that down. And all of these are skills that a lot of us picked up somewhere uh, in our schooling day, but you have to apply yourself to remembering, otherwise the memory stops being live. And the more important the thing is, I think the more work that that takes. And we are a community of purpose at Blue Water Mission. Okay, thank you for that. Um, 
which is to say uh, that what, what we are in Christ, first and foremost, is a community of purpose together, and that means that we need to constantly remind one another what we are about, because nothing in the world is going to remind us. So we need to remind each other. Constantly call one another back to our purpose. Remembering helps us with what we're after. And what we're after when it comes right down to it is that most sacred of all elements in our spiritual journey. The key to all spiritual fruitfulness. And what I'm talking about is follow through. We need to help one another remember so that we do indeed follow through on stuff that we know is important, but are we recalling it in the moment? That's, that's the key. Uh, so, it's review time. Uh, Sony and I uh, started leading small groups together in, in churches. Oh my gosh, how old am I? This was like 28 years ago. Uh, we started doing this. We, the first small group we ever led together uh, was in a, an extremely violent ghetto in California. And uh, we started a small group in my living room in this house uh, that was on a burnt out street. And it, and it grew. Uh, the group grew to about like 55 people, I think, all smashed into my living room. We could not possibly have squeezed in uh, anyone else. And uh, this is the way that we would start every small group meeting. Uh, we would get together and I would say, what time is it? And everybody would respond, it's review time. They didn't always say it with that sort of enthusiasm. Frank, you are shaking your head at me. You don't buy this at all, do you? Say, no, I'm not doing that. No. Um, it was not everybody appreciated the institution. But what we would do is we'd get together and week in, week out, we would just remind ourselves what was going on. I guarantee you, if you find anybody from that group today and, and said, what was was the slogan of your small group, they would always, they would all say, oh, it's review time. So with great cynicism and a hint of sarcasm, just repeat after me. What time is it? That wasn't nearly snarky enough. That would actually fairly affirming. Have I not discipled you well? No, no, I want it to be sarcastic. What time is it? Oh, that's a little bit better. Thank you. Um, there is a time in life when you need to have review time. And I just want you to remember that, okay? There's a time in life where you need to stop and remember who you are, what you're about, and what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, here's an example of that from Scripture. Uh, even Hollywood movies have celebrated this moment. But I wanted to read you something from uh, the end of Jesus' life on earth. This, one, this version is from Luke 22. And what's happening here is Jesus is celebrating his last supper with his guys, and uh, he's going to uh, he's going to be crucified shortly. And he's gently reminding his fellows that uh, he's talked about this, uh, and uh, that's his agenda for the evening to really celebrate the love, the relationship, and the community that they have. And while they're sitting there at dinner. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was considered to be greatest. Completely missing the point of this dinner that they're celebrating together. They're like, oh, we're in Jerusalem now. Jesus is talking about completing his mission. Obviously, this is where we all become really, really important. And he's declared the Messiah and stuff like that. So they're arguing among themselves 
well, which one of us is the most important disciple? Which one of us is the best leader? Which one of us is all that? And Jesus said to him, look, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them. In other words, you know, the world's leaders argue about that. Um, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. The world thinks that the, um, the more important you seem, the more you have to give. That's what the world thinks. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest or the least. And the one who rules should be like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves it? Well, the one who's at the table. Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. What Jesus is saying here is, look, I'm, I'm the focal point of this table right now. I have been the focal point of this ministry. But think about it a second. Did I not come as a humble servant? Have I not tried to serve people instead of lording it over them? So he's trying to give them a teachable moment here. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. You've seen how I've had to struggle to pull this off. And now I confer on you a kingdom, a dominion, an order, just as my father conferred one on me. In other words, I'm giving you what God gave me. You've seen what it's been like for me. You've seen my trials. You've seen how, seen how I've not lorded it over people but served people. You have seen how I have lived out my purpose. And I do that because God gave me a whole kingdom, and now I give that to you. Form your own conclusions. Live like I live, is what he's saying. I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on my thrones. In other words, when you're humble and live purposefully like I did, that will be your glory. Don't become glorious and think that glory begets glory. No, become lowly, become a servant. That's how you get to glory. Simon, Simon. Now he turns to Simon Peter, uh, who has been the most boisterous and and probably the lead disciple up to that point. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, when you've returned to your sanity, strengthen your brothers. It's a little warning to Simon that I really want to focus on because what does Simon Peter do after the Lord's Supper? Those of you who know the story of the Passion, what does he do? He denies Christ. Uh, Simon Peter is called to account. Oh, you were with Jesus, right? And Simon Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. He does it three times, in fact. And, and, and Jesus is evidently aware of what's going to happen because he says, uh, Simon, when you turn back, <laughs> it's like you feel all, oh, who's the greatest right now? But whether you realize it or not, you're about to like totally blow it. But when the dust settles... Strengthen, strengthen your brothers. Um, or as I would, I would sort of interpret this, uh, this advice, um, don't mistake greatness with importance. The important thing is just to do your job, do your purpose. And even when your feet get taken out from under you, even when you get uh, destroyed by disappointment or your own failure, just get back to work. 
And when you do it, encourage those around you to do the same thing because you're all going to be sifted eventually. You're all going to be undone eventually. So get back to work and encourage your, your brothers to do the same thing. That's how I read this passage. What do you think? Uh, stuff is going to come against you. Uh, you're going to get messed up. You're going to misdirect your own life. You're going to get all wrapped up with, am I great? Am I important? Well, what you really need to think about is just doing your job, just doing your purpose, which is why we do these clarity exercises like Paula demonstrated. What are you about, Paula? She can tell you. And drilled on that. And she might not have all the details right, but she knows where she's going. And so if something terrible happens on her life, you know, one thing we can do as a community of purpose is to come up to her a little later and say, hey, I'm with you. Uh, it was terrible. We support you. Now get back to work. Get back on your purpose. And that is an incredibly important community function at Blue Water Mission. Get back to work and give courage to others. I think that could be a bumper sticker for my life. Seriously. I've been sifted in life. I've been sifted seriously a hundred times. Anybody with me? Yeah. There you go. I got a double fist from Nana. Uh, and the art of life Really, I mean, like, it seems to me the fundamental art of my life is what happens after that, after I get totally sifted. I get up, and I get back to work, and I say, come on, let's do this together. <laughs> that could be on my tombstone. I, that's how fundamental uh, it, it is for me. Yeah, it will be terrible, so remember what you're about, even when it is, even when you screw up, and encourage others to stay on it too. Encourage others to stay on, on their purpose. When God talks to me in life, I mean like 85% of the time, this is what it's like. Jordan, I love you. So get back to work. Uh, Jordan, I'm with you. So get back to work. Uh, Jordan, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Now get back to work. Jordan, I understand completely. I really do. Now get back to work. Jordan, that was a bad thing you did, boy. You screwed that up. Now get up and get back to work. I have to get back to work, because if I don't get back to work, I'm not going to be any encouragement to you. I'm not going to be any encouragement to the people around me, right? because we're living a life of purpose. Uh, to make that a little clearer, uh, let's do review time. We'll get it by the end. We've still got 12 or 14 minutes here. Here's a quick review of some things we have learned over the last six weeks or so uh, and would do well to recall. Number one, to believe God is to trust him, and the way that we trust God is to obey what he calls us to do, even to the point of sacrifice. When God calls a person, he always calls that person to a purpose. And as a practical matter, when it gets right down to it, the life of faith means precisely to live according to the purpose that God gives you. The life of faith equals the life of purpose. 
This is how Jesus himself defines it. To live the life of faith, you do the things that God called you to do. If you want to be really, really practical about it, that's what this is about. That's how all the good things happen uh, for us and through us to the world. Now, God doesn't need us to be his worker bees. In fact, I think he'd probably be more efficient in some things if he didn't have to bring me along, you know. God's perfectly capable of doing things by himself. But by giving us a job to do, he helps us realize that we're significant. He helps us realize that he actually respects us. He doesn't just have affection for us. He really respects us and imbues us with respectability and significance. And it's hard for us humans to grasp that unless we're living according to our purpose. If you're not living according to your purpose, if you're not trying to do kingdom things, I can pretty much guarantee that you have trouble grasping how much God loves you. It may manifest in your life in any number of ways, you know, patterns of sin or shame or something like that, but you have trouble grasping how significant you are to God, and you have trouble grasping on uh, or building a foundation of rest with God unless you're trying to live out your purpose. And the key is the trying. What we offer people uh, as a community is a relationship with God in which they find their life-giving, eternally consequential purpose. We're offering God and purpose to people. That's, that's what we're trying to give away because that's what the Lord has given us. That's our product, if you will. I get to tune you into a God who loves you and loves you in such a way that he gives purpose, meaning, and power to your life. How does that sound? That's how it sounds. What's your purpose then, if it is so important? What is your God-given purpose? Well, firstly, it is to be salt and light. Salt and light. This is non-negotiable. We are to be flavor and illumination to the world. And we achieve this by always discipling, constantly. Always be discipling. Repeat. Good, that's review time. Always be discipling. Uh, If you're not doing this, if you're not always discipling people, then nothing else you do in life really matters all that much. That's a shocking thing to say. I can say it even more uh, powerfully. If you are not being salt and light, if you're not always uh, discipling or trying to disciple, then you are living worthlessly. Why do I say that? Because that's how Jesus put it. If salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Look, you are a light. Nobody puts a light under a bucket. That is insane. If you want to be who you are, you must constantly be influencing people toward God. And if you're not doing that regularly, then you are utterly, absolutely, tragically missing the point of your life. So always be discipling. Should you disciple when you're at church? Should you be discipling the people next to you? Should you be discipling during our musical worship time? Should you be discipling at the potluck after church? Should you be discipling at work? Should you be discipling at school? Should you be discipling when you're walking up your driveway at home after work and you see your neighbor? Right. And if, if, if you're not, then you're, you're missing uh, the point. Um, none of us are infinitely energetic and stuff like that, but, uh, but the point holds true. We need to be on it 
every day. And so what we've tried to do is equip ourselves with effective and easy means to always be on task. We talked about a couple main ones. One, we talked about asking questions. We've talked about five discipleship questions that are always useful to have in your pocket to take out and, 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 um, and use in conversation with people. What are they? Five discipleship questions. Number one, what's God doing in your life or what's important in your life? Number two, I'm sorry? What's God been saying to you recently? It's a version of number one. What's been tangling you up lately? What's getting in the way? What are you doing about it? Yeah, that, that's a good follow-up question. Hey, what's important to you? Or what's God been calling you to do? Or what do you think, what do you, think you should be up to? What are you doing about it? <laughs> Great conversation already, even if you just get that far. And then what's getting in your way? What's tangling you up? Number four, who are you bringing along? Like, who are you trying to bring along in this life of purpose? And then number five, uh, how can I help you? That's great. The goal of any sort of discipleship conversation is to, and this is the second thing, make an invitation. Some kind of invitation. You invite somebody to church, you invite somebody to your Ohana group, or you just invite somebody to do the next thing that they should do. Oh, you're not doing any, that's important to you, but you're not doing anything to follow up on it? Why don't you do this? I'll check back with you next week to see if you moved on it. That's an incredibly great way to help people is to constantly focus them on moving in their purpose. Whether they're a believer or an unbeliever, everybody appreciates that. So we talked about that uh, quite a bit. Um, <clears throat> we're all salt and light, but we also have a specific BGP, a big God-given purpose. And this is nothing more than your best personal way of being salt and light in the world. So we're all salt and light, we all are asking questions, we're all trying to be flavorful, but we also have a unique way in which we best express that to the world. Uh, you heard uh, Paula talk about, well, uh, really what I'm about is contending against injustice. And right now what that means for her is just building godly relationships of encouragement and purpose and communicating well in those relationships and, and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of unique to her life. She does it in a particular way. You will do it in your particular way. We all have a big God-given purpose. If you don't know it, look for it. Here are two tips to finding it if you are clueless. Look for the place where you really feel God's power and fruitfulness in your life. We talked about that last week. And number two would be simply accept the invitations that God gives you, whatever they are. You know, you've been invited to a potluck after church. If you are new, you should go. Why? Well, because you need a community of purpose, and that's a great next step for you. Just accept the invitations that you've been given, and if you're a discipler, uh, try to give a, a lot of invitations. Um, we talked about living at the level of your purpose. To live well, to live the life you want, you have to live at the level of your purpose. In your purpose lies your greatest power. If you are living according to your purpose in life, you are more powerful and better in everything that you do. If you're living at the level of your big God-given purpose, then you'll be a better uh, husband, father, or brother, or son in your family, a better mother, or wife, uh, sister, or daughter in your family. If you are living according to your purpose, you're going to do your job better, whatever your paid job is. If you're living at the level of your purpose, you're going to do your hobbies better, believe it or not. 
because purpose releases power. Purpose releases power. Or as Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, and then everything else will be added to you. You just have to get the priorities straight. And fulfilling your God-given purpose is priority number one. That's the way you get the other stuff added in its place and in its proper way. To help you click into your purpose in life, think about having a pathway to purpose. And a lot of us have been experimenting with this since the all-church retreat. Pathway to purpose is what it is to pull off your big God-given purpose. Um, do you guys uh, remember the pathway to purpose? I'll put it up here on the big screen. You got your purpose or your BGP or your mission, which is supported by your vision, which is the how-to in your life. How do you go about it? You heard me quiz Paul on that. What's your purpose? All right. Uh, what's your vision for that? How are you going to go about doing it? And, and she had an answer. And then there are the tools that you use. For her, it's communication uh, related things uh, mostly. Uh, for Erica, it's her art, right? Uh, and the artistic tools and her gifts for education and stuff like that. She's trying to do this. She's trying to work it through. And then there are virtues that support all of it. Are you a loving person? Are you a generous person? Are you a disciplined person? Paula mentioned the importance of discipline uh, that she's found. But you have to build this pathway to purpose. And, and, and you have to build it well. One thing that people get confused about is the difference between purpose and, and vision. God gives them a purpose, and they concoct a vision for pursuing that purpose, and then they become committed to the vision instead of being committed to the purpose. You know, I have a vision for my life, and if it doesn't work out, I'm throwing God out with the, with the rubbish. You know, the, the fact is that visions can change over time. When I first started to be a church planner. I did not conceive that I would be planting a church in Honolulu, Hawaii. At the time, I was actually living uh, on the east coast uh, of, of the mainland. My vision uh, got radically adjusted, but my purpose has not waned. I, I, I build cultures and I build faith communities. That's what I've done for almost 30 years now, since I was in college. Uh, so don't get confused about that, and don't get thrown off if you have to adjust your vision in order to serve your big purpose. Then when you've uh, figured out those things, we want to remove limits. We want to lay tracks, and we want to concoct clear action steps for ourselves. What are you going to do this week? If you don't know, then you're not going to move on your pathway to purpose. It's going to be a wasted week for you. Oh, I got two fists back there with a with a grunt of affirmation. That was half, half affirmation, half exasperation, but I appreciate that. That was a real moment right there. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, those of you who are at the All Church Retreat, we spent some time removing limits, laying tracks, and, and defining clear action steps, uh, which are the key to follow the rule. If you do all this stuff, I mean, you can use different terms for it, and you know, you don't have to go about it exactly the same way, but you know what this is? D figuring out your purpose, and then figuring out a pathway to purpose, and then contending against limits, and, and, and making positive statements in faith, and defining for yourself clear action steps. You know what that is? It's what we call, we have a word for it in the church, discipleship. Yeah, evidently we have several words for it in the church, but this is a biblical form of discipleship. Really, when Jesus discipled his guys, he discipled them on their path of purpose, right? The first thing he said, come, follow me. I'm going to make something of you. I'm going to make you fishers of men. 
On you, Peter, I'm going to build the church. And Nathaniel, you're a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. You're a truth teller. He was constantly doing that. And then he, would, he spent the next few years making sure they were on their task. That's discipleship. That's it. To release people and a purpose. And so we have good tools to do that around here. We have good tools so we can be on it. If you're stuck in life, if you're hungry in life, you feel like you just need nourishment. If you are overwhelmed by the spirit of, eh, or whatever, you just have no zest in life, if any of that stuff applies to you, then these things that we're reminding ourselves of, those are the things that you need to be thinking about, you need to be working on. Let me be the first to remind you today. you got to get on it. Because the reason you feel stuck, and the reason you feel hungry, and the reason you're just kind of, eh, is because you're not on it. Maybe you've been sifted recently. I don't know. But come on. Let's get back on it. Let's follow through. It is the key to your life. And I'm, I'm here for you. I will kick your butt and help you clarify your purpose. And so will dozens of people sitting around you. Because we know how. Do we not? Thank you. But I want everybody to know this, which is to say I want everybody to remember this. Chaos gets in the way every hour, every day. We have to fight hard in order to live according to our purpose. The universe is in chaos except where the universe moves in the kingdom of God. Everything is decaying except in the kingdom of God. Everything is confused, swirling, and disorganized except in the kingdom of God. And so we need to fight. As, as Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven advances by force. Everybody remember this? You have to have a forceful attitude to pull it off. There are certain ways that chaos uses constantly to defeat us. Vagueness. Chaos loves for you to keep things vague, which is why we've been drilling on, hey, what's your purpose? Say it. Nope, say it more succinctly than that. Write it down. Why? Because we're fighting vagueness. Mostly vagueness in your life doesn't come from uncertainty. Mostly vagueness in your life comes from just not thinking. You're just not putting much energy into getting clarity. And chaos loves to keep it vague. Chaos loves to keep options open. Uh, are you going to go to church today? I don't know how I'm feeling. Are you going to go to a Hanukkah group this week? Well, I, I, maybe. It's been a long week. I'm not really sure. Are you going to call so-and-so and, you know, set up an appointment with them this week so that you can be the influence that you should be? Well, if I have time... Vagueness has got you. It's got you by the throat and completely ruining your life. Um, delay, I think, is another huge one. Chaos doesn't try to get you to abandon your purpose. It just tries to get you to, to put off doing purposeful things. You're going to put off doing it today. I'll get to it tomorrow. Well, I mean, Mondays are busy. I'll get to it Wednesday. Well, I don't know. Now I'm feeling a little low. Maybe I'll get a shot of adrenaline at church this week and take it up next week. There's always next Monday. And what you're doing is just delaying infinitely. Half-built towers in life. And one of the ways that chaos uses. 
Uh, chaos, uh, if it cannot prevent you from starting your important project, chaos will do everything it can to keep you to only doing it half-heartedly. This is why Jesus talks so constantly about half-built towers, about not counting the costs, about being lukewarm. Jesus says, hey, look, be hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. Don't do things halfway. We don't want to be half-assed. We want to be full-assed in life. Important kingdom principle. Undisciplined, undiscipled emotions. Some of us are, just follow our feelings around without realizing that actually we can shape our feelings with choices for virtue. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter how you feel. You just got to do it anyway. And eventually your feelings come around. You can disciple emotions like you can disciple anything else. By contrast, the ways of the ways of faith, or as we say around here, the ways of try, of trying things, because we're only responsible to try, right? The ways of try include being clear on purpose. Clarity of purpose is huge. Routines are huge. Having routines for important things, which means that you've set priorities and you're doing them routinely. Every day, every week, you have a routine. You do not question whether you, I don't know, come to church. You do not question whether you go to Ohana group. You do not question whether you make one phone call a day in order to encourage someone along their God-given purpose. If you set it up as a routine, you don't question it. You don't have to spend all the energy deciding. It's just what you do. It becomes who you are. And that is the way to navigate chaos in the world. If you don't have routines, you won't get it done. I promise you. If every day to you is purely unstructured, every day will be a waste of your time. You have to set things. And you are in charge of your life. You get to set your routines. About the first thing that Jesus, that God taught his people in the Old Testament was, look, we're going to have a routine, right? I'm going to give you guys some structure. Uh, every seventh day is going to be a Sabbath. There are going to be certain festivals. This is the way you go about this. This is the way you go about that. Because he wanted to give them a means of navigating through chaos. So what are the important routines in your life? If you're not clear on it, you're dead in the water. You're dead in the water. You can disciple your emotions. We've talked about that. And the big thing that the disciple needs is this absolute contempt for fear. What scares you? Treat it with contempt. Treat it with a little bit of disdain. Learn to try anyway. You know, there's so many things that we want in life. There, there are there's so many ways to approach life. You know, there's so many, so many different ways to see life, so many ways to understand life. And the older I get, uh, the more I, I just want to do my job. You know, the more experiences I have, the more things that I endure in life, the more I've realized that, you know, when I get up in the morning, I just, I just got to do what I'm meant to do, what I'm supposed to do. And in, in my waning years, shoot, in my waning hours, I'm going to be thinking about those dearest to me at the end. Uh, but I'm also going to be thinking about this. Did I do what I was supposed to do? That's going to be the question on my heart. Did I do what I was supposed to do? And I don't want that question to bring a lot of regret to me because there's going to be a point in which it's just too late, right? Not too late for God loving you. Not too late for, for the Lord redeeming you. Not too late 
to be received into the Father's arms. It's never too late for that. But we do have a life to spend. And there are wise ways to spend it and unwise ways to spend it. And at the end of my life, I want to feel like I did what I was supposed to do. And I'm old enough to realize that that's hard. It's hard to do what you're supposed to do. So I've really dedicated myself to learning how to get it done. That's why I say, I'm just focused on doing my job. My big God-given job, but my job nonetheless. You know, the way that you, you're never going to understand an eagle until you see that eagle spread its wings. You're never going to understand your life until you're moving in your purpose. You never understand my life until you see me move in your purpose. You've got you to spread your wings. Otherwise, you've never taken off. I want to get that right. So let's end very, very simply. I'll just take uh, two minutes here. Break out your smartphone or a pen and piece of paper or write on your bulletin. And uh, this is all a reminder, uh, an encouragement uh, to, to get back to work, uh, to follow through this week. So write down one action step, one thing that you're going to follow through on this week. It's got to be this week, right? So don't write down one action step for 2017 or something like that. No, I just, for this week, because purpose is every day. One thing that you're definitely going to do, don't make it too big. Just make it specific. Go. Got it? Now turn to the person next to you, and I don't really care if you don't know the person, and just uh, share what it is. It should take you about seven seconds, and then that person will share with you what he or she wrote. And there may be individuals just like, you know, I tried, and I just didn't come up with anything, and that's fine too. That's fine too, because we are a community of purpose, and if a person says to you, I just couldn't come up with anything, that might be an occasion for asking a discipleship question. Father God, I just pray for a breath of life, for an anointing of your spirit to follow through on these action steps so that we can be people of purpose as we were born to be. I pray, Lord, for breakthroughs big and small wherever we need it. And in Jesus' name, everybody says, All right, thank you.